few weeks ago, this is the fourth week I've been living in truth in the time of great deception. I've gotten past the first two points. I wanted to get to point three today, but I don't think it's going to happen, and I'll show you why in a minute. You know, it is a crazy day, and uh, the pressure's nuts. The world has come unhinged, and you know what I mean by that, if I can use those expressions. So how do you deal with that? Jesus let us know ahead of time that that just before he comes back, it would be a moment like this. And, you know, this is my 44th year in God. Uh, September 12th, 1976, I really gave my life back to the Lord. I was 17, turned 18, 18 the next month. And all these years, I've heard all my life that Jesus is coming back, you know. And, and, uh, and I just always wondered what it would be like when, it, when we reach that point that we really are in the era of time that... that, that he is coming back, and it looks honestly, if you know the Bible, and you know what Jesus said, what the Apostle Paul said, what the Apostle John saw on the Isle of Patmos, what the Old Testament prophets saw about the coming of the Messiah at the very end of uh, life as we know it today and the entering into the, uh, into the time where God really rules the earth again. And his glory fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. It looks like we're right in that time. So we're not in the tribulation. People ask all these. No, we're not in the tribulation time as people call it. But, but we're getting really close. I mean, things are really heating up a lot. And uh, so it's caused a lot of consternation and a lot of wondering. And a lot of people, well, what's going on? Why is this happening? And how do you deal with it? Jesus says something in Luke 21. My notes, again, are available at uh, victorychurchraleigh.com. I won't get to mint much of them today, a little bit. But um, anyway, you can look at them and well what we don't hit today we'll get next Sunday Luke 21 34 Jesus said this I love this in passion translation and this is what Jesus said and he said well how do you deal with the tough times that are to come and he said be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold let me stop right there how many know that's some good that's, that's a good thing be careful that you never allow your heart to grow cold now, you know, if we ever needed to hear that, we needed to hear that today. How many know there, there's something about iron sharpening iron that Proverbs talks about and us being together as believers that really does stir us up in God? Is that true or not? And the problem we've had the last number of months is in isolation, it's really easy to let your guard down, to get slack, not do the things you normally do. You know, we're social creatures. We need each other. Spiritually, we kind of keep each other's fires going, so to speak. I'm responsible for my fire. You're responsible for yours. Is that true or not? But we sure can egg each other and move each other on. And it's sort of like this, you know, if you got a barbecue and, you know, you put your little black holes in there and then you put your little uh, lighter fluid on there and you light that thing and let it burn for 20 minutes or so and they turn, they turn ashen white, right? And that just means they're really, really hot. They're glowing red inside. But if you have one of them that falls off, you got them piled up maybe. And uh, one of them falls off and it sits off by itself. It turns, it turns back dark again, meaning it's cold again. And that's the way we are. And that's why I really encourage all of us. Let's get, to back, get back together as believers. We need each other. Yes or no? And so Jesus said here, be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold. I mean, uh, I guard my heart every day. There's every, everything outside of here is pulling us away from the Lord, pulling us into self-sufficiency, you know, making us feel like what's the use, et cetera, et cetera. Uh -uh. I need God every day. I need him more today than I did when I first came to Jesus. Now, how many feel that way in your life? I mean, every day, I don't care how far I've been in God. I've had all kinds of experiences. I've traveled to different parts of the world. I've had the Holy Spirit manifest in so many ways. But you know what? All that means nothing if I'm not with him today. So Jesus said, be careful that you never allow your hearts to go cold. I mean, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep your heart one translation says, keep your heart with all diligence and above all that you guard, for out of your heart flows the issues of life. So it's what I have on the inside, and that's what Jesus is saying. Be careful that you don't grow cold inside. Make sure that your relationship with God through me is vital, it's current, it's right now. You're not living on yesterday stuff, you got something from heaven today. How many know that's important? 
You know, I've come across people in my life who have had some amazing experiences in God, but they try to live today on that experience they had back, at, back whenever. You can't do that. You know, as much as the Lord may have done in me or in you in yesteryear, you can't live on that today. You got to have some fresh stuff today. Is that true? That's why Jesus said this. Be careful that you never allow your hearts to grow cold. He said, remain uh, passionate, free, from anxiety and the worries of this life. Now, that's a challenge today. Everywhere you turn is negative. Is that true? I mean, ev- everything you see is negative. Uh, and so you say, well, how do you do that? Remain passionate and free from anxiety and the worries of this life. Passionate means, means you're fervent for God. You're excited about what Jesus is doing. And then free from anxiety and the worries of this life. You know, I've never... I've never been able to deal, there's only one way that I know as a believer to deal with anxiety and worry, and that is in prayer. That is, you go before God, you take his word, you remind him of what he said in his word, and then, and then, Lord, here's what bothers me. It bothers me about this, about this, about this, and I don't know what to do about that, but I cast all my cares on you in Jesus' name and ask you to work this situation out. How many know that's really the only, only viable way to deal with worry and anxiety? How many know that's true? Now, everybody around us, you know, they deal with anxiety and, all, and, and, and worry in lots of different ways. A lot of people try to drink it away. A lot of people try to take drugs and drug it away and drug themselves up. A lot of people, you know, they have sex all the time and they think the sex is the cure. That ain't going to do it. And then other people eat, try to eat their way out of it. How many know you can't eat your way out of anxiety? Huh? You can eat all the Twinkies you want, Krispy Kreme donuts, Cheetos, potato chips, you name it, whatever your favorite binge thing is. You know, you can drink all the Pepsi, Pepsi you want. It's not going to make it go away. In fact, all you do is get bigger. And then you know what? The problem gets bigger. It doesn't solve the problem. Other people use exercise. I mean, today people are crazy. But now people exercise too much. I've read articles recently where people are exercising so much instead of it really helping their body, it's hindering their body and could diminish their quality and length of life. So how many know balance is, is, is important in everything? And we tend to get out of balance when anxiety comes. And, and, you know, Jesus is really saying here, you live a life of balance when you cast your cares on him. Is that true? So he said again, remain passionate, free from anxiety and the worries of this life. Then, then you will not be caught off guard when, when things, uh, uh, by what happens. Now, there are things that are coming. And this is, you know, I don't like to have to say these kind of things. But, but you know, my job as a pastor is not tell you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. And what we all need to hear is there's some really challenging things coming. And that's true. We don't even know what they're going to look like, smell like, feel like, or, or uh, what they're going to produce in life completely. We just know what Jesus said is going to happen. He said, don't, you know, this, this next statement he said reminds me of a father talking to his son. Don't let me come and find you drunk uh, or careless in living like everyone else. Don't let me come and find you that way. He said, for the day will come as a shocking surprise to all, like a downpour that drenches everyone, catching many unaware and unprepared. You know, we, we went to the beach last week and uh, on the way there, I mean, I mean, it's a, it was a, uh, some states, they call it a gully washer. Boy, I mean, you couldn't hardly see, your windshield wipers couldn't go fast enough on the way. And then, you know, we had days the whole time we're at the beach, I mean, not hardly a cloud in the sky, but the day we left, it was a downpour all day, and uh, and we left our umbrellas. I think we left it in the vehicle, and and it was raining. You know, cats, dogs, snails, uh, frogs, everything. It was just raining really hard. So it caught us as a surprise. He said that day will come as a shocking surprise to all, like a downpour that drenches everyone, catching many unaware and unprepared. Now, if Jesus said this, got to be true. See, our, our culture is living like everything's normal. Everything's going to be normal. Everything's going to be fine. Jesus said, no, things are coming, and we need to be prepared. How do we prepare ourselves? By not allowing our hearts to grow cold, by, by making sure that we have a, an unencumbered mind, that we're not filled with fear and anxiety. He said, it's going to come when people aren't expecting it, like a drenching downpour. Then he said, verse 36, keep a constant watch over your soul and pray for the courage and grace to prevail over these things that are destined to occur, that you you will stand before the presence of the Son of Man with a clear conscience. 
He's saying live in an upright way regardless of what's coming, regardless of what you're experiencing. Live in a way you won't be ashamed when you go to meet your maker. Isn't that good? It's just good. So we're living right now in a really huge time, I think, of, of uh, cultural transition, world transition. And let me just say there are forces that are, and I mean what I'm about to say, so let me say it carefully. They are seeking to bring absolute ruin to the United States of America, both socially and economically. How many hear what I just said? I just, uh, now, you know, I don't waste my time. In fact, um, in some ways, I'm a geek. I just, you know, I just, every, I just don't like to waste anything. And uh, I don't waste time ever. Even when I'm, when I'm at leisure, I, I find moments that I'm productive in something, some way. But uh, while I was at the beach, uh, just sitting in the chair, enjoying the salt air and, and the wind a few days, sometimes it was just hot, under an umbrella, you know, looking at the ocean. Don't you wish you were there right now? So, but I was reading a book. If, can you throw that up there? That book, there we go. Uh, I read this book that he's about to put on. There it is. The Killing of Uncle Sam. Now, now, I read that whole book while I was at the beach, and um, it was kind of hard to read. Uh, the subtitle is The Demise of the United States of America. Anybody know Ryan, uh, Rodney Howard Brown? Yeah, he pastors a church in Florida. He's a South African uh, guy. He's been here a number of years, probably 30 years or so. And um, anyway, he has a, a good church in Florida. But he had another guy with him, Paul L. Williams. I'm sure that he's the brawn, the brains behind the whole book. Uh, it was a well-researched book. Um, again, The Killing of Uncle Sam. A lot of chapters to it. There are over a thousand endnotes to this book. That means there's a lot of research. And, uh, you know, he, he quoted a lot of different uh, uh some of them were periodicals, some were books, uh, some were articles, some were just, it's just a lot of stuff. It's amazing. And, and, and here's, the, here's the bottom line. Um, there are forces, and they've been in existence for over a hundred years, that are seeking to amalgamate or bring the whole world together economically to break down the social barriers of every nation till all roads lead to the same government, all roads lead to the same belief system. All roads lead to the, to the same religion. All roads lead to the same economy and, uh, and currency. And the book was so clear and it was so well notated that, boy, you had to take it and go, oh my goodness. Now, if you get this book, I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, it's not easy to read. There is a lot of facts and figures there. And, and it deals with uh, uh, the past hundred, a little over a hundred years of history of our nation uh, and what we're doing in the world. I don't, I don't know if you realize, you know, you realize how big the United States is. We are a huge nation. Do you realize that? And so as long as we remain strong, a, a strong force financially, militarily, in general as a nation. This goal, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of people, y'all, that have a goal of, 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 of the whole world amalgamating together into one and, and just have a great big love fest. Well, it's not going to work out that way. And um, as long as we remain a ruling force, none of that's going to be realized. But once the American um, uh, strength is diminished worldwide, Y'all, we're going to see the rise of this person the Bible calls Antichrist, and he's coming on the scene. How many hear what I'm saying? So there are forces at work that are, that are seeking to make this kind of stuff uh, happen, and it's, uh, it's really, really serious. I don't want to get down into the milieu of that, but just to tell you, there's more that is going on than meets the eye. And, you know, even this COVID-19, you've heard me say this a number of times, uh, second week of March, I was praying, and I was just minding my business, praying. And I was praying about this and that. And this is just when this started. I think it was actually just prior to March 15th. And that's the first, that was the last Sunday we had normal service here. And everybody had to shut her down, you know. And uh, it was just before that. And I was just praying because I heard about some of this. I had been out of town at a board meeting in the mountains and, and come back. And, uh, and it was a Thursday night. I was praying. I mean, I mean, just clear. I mean, I finished praying. Usually when I, here's the thing. When you finish praying, get quiet. Just sit there a little bit. Just worship the Lord. So I was just sitting there, you know, and uh, kind of idling a little bit, just thinking. And, uh, and, and I just floated up from inside. You can tell if a thought comes from here, outside, 
or if you make it up yourself. But sometimes something floats up from inside. And up from inside of me, I heard the word, one word, nefarious. Now, I didn't. I've told you that before. Go look it up. I'm not going to even take time to define it today. Look up the dictionary definition for nefarious. N-E-F-A-R-I-O-U-S, nefarious. And it had to do with COVID-19. And I've said since then that that's a dry run for things that are to come. And there are forces at work that are seeking the demise of this nation. How many hear what I just said? And I'm not joking. So uh, let, me, let me be clear and plain about some of these things. What's going on recently, you know, with uh, George Floyd and his death, that, that's been hijacked. Now, there are issues with some of the police, but how many know we need a police force? And without a police force, you have mass mayhem and disaster. Yes or no? And you've got somebody that's going to put, you know, you're going to put martial law down and you won't have any freedoms. And there's some people that really want that. And then, but this has been hijacked by an organization and I wasn't clear enough. I'm not sure I was clear enough first service. So if you're listening second service and you got upset with me first service, let me straighten it up second service. All right. So there is an organization called Black Lives Matter. It's an organization. And it has governing principles. And, uh, you know, it has, I think Sean said they've got 13 or 14 governing principles. There you go. Uh, that, this is what they believe. And you can go to their website. I'm not even going to take time to give, do them justice to read that. Uh, but they have the demise of the nuclear family in view in America. They have as their goal socialism, communism, and a Marxist ideology, which means nobody has anything. Everybody has the same. There's no such thing as you making your own way in life. Everybody's basically a cookie cutter. And there are no principles you live by, not from the Bible and not from anything else. There's no uh, male father, female female mother that raised children in that what we call nuclear family there's just there's just anything you can imagine that makes up a family a woman and a woman a man and a man and and on and on it goes polygamy uh, polyamory and anything else that's what they're for you can read it it's a marxist ideology friends that has that has uh, that has taken you know what really needed to happen when george floyd uh, was killed or murdered you know, by the police officer, what should have happened there with racial reconciliation and just taking it away and, and made it a bunch of mess. How many hear what I just said? And that's why you have the streets that have been in the large cities. And now you go downtown Raleigh. I haven't been in a couple of weeks, but last time I went, a bunch of the businesses were still boarded up. And uh, it was just a mess of toppling statues all over our nation. They're trying to rewrite our history. Why is that kind of stuff happening? There are people that don't want our nation to be as it was. How many hear what I just said? You say, well, what's that got to do with me? What's that got to do with the Bible? Well, you see, if our nation diminishes and stops being what it has been, how many know we've been a very benevolent nation all over the world for many, many years? It's true. Um, uh, you know, since World War II, America has been a guiding factor worldwide. In fact, you know, if you just do some travel and study and thinking and reading, you know about all this. And maybe I'm saying things you already know. But if you don't, let me just share. I mean, even if you look at the GDP of America and you put it on a chart, uh, here's America down at the bottom. And it's right here. And then the gross domestic produce, uh, that is what each nation earns. Hey, hey. Here's America, but the closest one's like right here. We're so big. We're so huge. We have so much money, so much blessing. So You understand? Uh, I mentioned first service that um, uh, Festa Soha comes from Europe, Prague, uh, Czech Republic, Prague, Czech Republic. And, uh, you know, and I travel with him and take him places and do things while he's here. And he's mentioned to me that um, he says, he's, you know, as a European, he says, you know, I'm just blown away by your country. He said, you know, I just travel a few miles from one city to another here in the same state. And he said, really, it's like, it's like in, in Europe, it's like going to another country. And he said, America is so big. You have such an expanse. It's, the, the, it's so large with its 48 contiguous states and then the two, you know, Alaska and Hawaii. It's just so huge. And you just don't realize how, how huge this is to somebody that's an immigrant, you know, from, from Europe for particularly said it just really, he said, it just really blows me away. Y'all, we just have so much influence. Once that influence is what I want you to hear is diminished 
And there are people seeking to diminish American influence worldwide. Once that's diminished, then this idea of a one world everything, it's in view, y'all. And there are people that are making this happen. Why did I say that? Because the Antichrist will come on the heels of that. He'll be a, he'll be a, he'll be a, a, a dictator to some degree. He'll have a large sway uh, politically. He'll have a large sway militarily uh, through some other nations. And he'll also have a large sway economically. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? I'm going to get to another subject in a minute. But have you noticed of recent that some places you go of business that you go into say, we don't accept coins anymore? Have you seen that? Now that's starting to happen nationwide. You know what the next thing's going to be? Well, we don't accept dollar bills or $5 bills or $10 bills. What's the eventuation of that? What's the, what's that? Why are they doing that? Eventually the whole currency is going to change. And the whole world will go to a digital currency. I'm not making this up. Y'all, this is in the works right now. How many hear what I'm just saying? It's crazy. I don't even like to say this stuff, but it's completely true. And uh, so there are those that want that to happen. And uh, you say, well, what's going to happen with my dollars? I, I can't tell you. I mean, I don't know. Will it devalue? I don't know. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I just know I'm asking God to take care of me and my family and you. Are you asking him to do that for you? So these are some really serious things that are happening. And there are people that are wanting these things to happen. And so digital currency, I mean, you know, uh, I've traveled for years since like 19, my first mission trip was 1993. And I've been on so many and I usually have to take cash where I go uh, just because it's so rustic and such. And uh, I've had to go to banks and have my, you know, our, our staff team go to banks and such. And, you know, I, I usually carry $100 bills. You can't hardly find $100 bills. Not the, not the, no, I need several thousand most of the time when I travel, when I've traveled to these places, you know, 10,000 miles away and in India, Africa, other places. And, uh, you, you go to buy, you take several weeks to accrue enough hundred dollar bills. They have to be crisp and brand new. And they just don't have a lot. I don't know if you realize that most of our, most of our exchange has been digital for a long time anyway, right? Guess what the next step is? Well, you know, for COVID-19, we got to do away with cash. It's all digital. Then the next step, see, it's, it encroaches a little bit at a time. The next step is, well, you know, it's really inconvenient to carry cards and things around. So, And that might get lost. So, you know, now it's actually happening, I think, Sweden and other places there. It, it's still voluntary, but eventually, well, we'll just put this, uh, give me a hand, put this little thing that looks like a grain of rice in just underneath the skin. And it contains all of the information about you and the digital health, your digital health will be there. If you've been vaccinated, it'll be there. And, and then you can also open the door to your house with it. You can also, uh, you know, when you go buy your groceries, just stick your hand out. How many know that's coming? You say, you're crazy. No, I'm not. It's happening, y'all. The technology is already there. Why did I say that? Well, Revelation 14, 13, 14 talks about the fact that nobody can buy and sell or get gain without that mark without the digital currency that's underneath the skin. Uh, bottom line is, um, we're going to be here for the first part of the Antichrist's reign. A lot of people don't believe that. I preached that that's not true for many years, but for the last 10, I've had a great, a rude awakening in my own life. Get ready for some really tough things about that. And you got some huge decisions to make. How many hear me? So I said all that to say, don't no, make you happy. Well, it makes you challenged. So how do we live? What do we do? I mean, with the future going the way it's going and the things that I know from the scriptures that be, will be fulfilled, how can, how can we stay on a level playing field mentally, spiritually, emotionally? How can we guide our families? How can, uh, you know, if, you have, if you're a father, how can you help your children? How can you guide your home? How can you help your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren? Well, I uh, started three weeks ago, four weeks ago. This is my fourth week, and I won't get there today. Seven things you need to know about the word. I covered two points, but I will got to share this with you. I had something happen to me this Friday that, you know, really kind of walloped me in some ways. Um, you know, it's the last day of my vacation. And uh, so I got up. I usually sleep seven hours and then I'm awake. My blinds open and I'm awake, wide awake. So that morning, just like normal, I slept seven hours. I was awake, you know, wide awake. When I wake up, I'm wide awake. I just awake. So I woke up and... Um, and you know what? No kidding. I mean, the moment my consciousness came, Ephesians 9, 5, 19, 
was just rolling through me, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, speaking to you. I mean, it went over and over. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your and it just kept going over. I got up, went to the bathroom, went and got me a cup, and it's still rolling up. I said, Lord, and I got it. I heard what he was trying to say. See, God will speak. God doesn't give you directives and say, Well, number one, number two. Sometimes he'll just talk to you in a way you got to think about it a little bit. And I got it. What he was telling me, you've been a person of the word, make sure now, make sure now that internally you're full of my word. Because the only thing that's going to take you into the next phase that's happening on earth is you're full of the word. If you're full of the word, you're going to be protected. How many hear what I just said? And then on the heels of that came Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. So, Lord, that went over and over. I said, I get it, Lord, I get it. He's encouraging me as a pastor to keep myself full of the Word. I didn't mention this first service, but, you know, Susan and I took a two-week vacation. One week, we're a few days, we're at the beach and such. But I, we didn't turn, I didn't turn the news on one time. Didn't look at the news. It's awesome. And you know what? Peace came. In a lot of ways, news has become a propaganda tool. So if you're looking at ABC, NBC, CBS, CSNBC, CNN, Fox News, I don't care what it is. It's all, you know, a very small portion of fact and a lot of opinion. How many hear that? And uh, it's become a propagandist tool. My encouragement is turn off the news, turn up the word. So if I got anything to say to you as a pastor, the best thing I can say is we're living in a time. The way you survive this is keep the word inside of you. And my huge concern is so many believers, particularly in America, are so tuned into current events and news sources, both on TV and on the Internet, they're not listening to the word. And it's drowning out the faith that is inspired through the word. And if you let current events to dr drown out the word, you're going to be in trouble. And those people that got drenched that Jesus talked about in Luke 21, that got drenched by a sudden downpour, you'd be one of those. My encouragement is let the word. Let me just talk to you a minute. And I hadn't planned to go here, but I mean, just like this first service, and I feel like I need to do it again. This service, uh, the Lord came on me first service and just wanted me to share some things. You know, my, I came to the Lord, I was 17. And uh, just before my 18th birthday, and I mean, my mind was a mess, y'all. My mind was messed up when I came to the Lord. I mean, I had so many bad experiences, you know, with my friends, even my churchy friends who took drugs with me, yeah, in the youth group, y'all. I mean, just terrible. And I had so many bad experiences. I felt terrible about me. I had awful thoughts, and my mind would often go back. I could smell, I could just smell a smell or see a sight or sometimes a color or some image that reminded me of, of the years I was involved in, the things I shouldn't have been involved in. And I would just play that scene over and over. You ever do that? You ever go back when you've had, if, if your mind is not purposely watched over by you, you know what you'll do? Your mind will take you on a trip that you don't need to take. How many hear me? And you'll rehash things that you don't need to go back to. And it'll cause you to fall away and cause you to become lukewarm as a believer. Well, I saw that immediately when I first came to the Lord. It's like, I got to do something with my mind. This is a mess. So honestly, to keep my mind, so to speak, out of the gutter of mess, to keep my mind... Nobody told me to do this. I did it out of absolute desperation. I mean, y'all, desperation. I've got to do this. I, I just started taking a scripture and putting it in my head every day. I said, well, I'm going to think on this scripture. And that was the first year. It was 1976, September, October, November, December. And then 1977, January, February, March, all the way up through the following fall. I enrolled in Bible school in the fall of 1977. But the months prior to that, I mean, just to keep myself level spiritually, I had to keep my mind. My mind kept trying to hijack me and take me back to my past life. Do any of you have those kind of challenges? 
Well, that's what it tried to do all the time. And, and, you know, thought association happens in a millisecond of time. You can be somewhere talking to somebody and just one word they say, your mind immediately goes back to a scene. Is that true? And, and, then, and then they're talking, but you're not even listening to them because you're remembering something. Is that true? Or are you driving, are you driving down and you're driving down, you know, 440 or 40s and going somewhere, going to work, doing something. And you're driving and, and you're listening to something. Maybe you can be listening to a song and that song will remind you of way back when. Is that true? Well, that was happening to me, y'all. I don't know how many times a day when I first came to the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm desperate. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And here's what I knew. Just get my word. Just take my word. Take the scripture, get one. And instead, here's what I found. If you have idle mental time, your mind will go anywhere. And you know what the problem is in America today? We've got, and worldwide really, we have so many gadgets. And I love gadgets. I love the internet. I love all that stuff. I mean, I got to have the Wi-Fi password everywhere I go. I mean, you know, you just always perusing the internet, all kinds of information. The problem we have today is we're letting that overtake our faith in God. Did you hear what I'm saying? And if you don't have a plan for your mind, the enemy does. Did you hear me? If you don't have a plan to keep your mind on the straight and narrow, it will go everywhere it doesn't need to go. All day Every day, all day long. And then if you do that during the day, you'll have some really weird dreams. Yes or no? So question, what are you doing with your thoughts? What are you doing with your mind? Are you keeping your thoughts? Are you keeping your mind clean? So how do you do that? The only way you can do it is on purpose. Nobody should have control of your mind but you. Zero. Nobody. Never. Nobody should, should put content in my mind if I don't want it to go there. Is that true or false? So what am I doing listening to certain things? Certain kinds of news broadcasts. Certain things that may or may not be true. Why am I filling my time with things like that that bring me down, dampen my faith, fill me with fear? How many hear what I'm saying? Is that happening today? All day, every day. For me, the only thing that I've been able to do to keep that from happening, and I started this one. I really started before my 18th birthday because I was completely desperate those first few weeks of knowing the Lord. I found a scripture. We didn't have the internet then, but I got, you've heard me say it, three by five index cards. Men's shirts used to have pockets. They don't now. <laughs> but I'd put the index, you'd put it in your back pocket. But I'd put it in my pocket. I'd put one scripture on it. And if I had idle mental time, at the time I was working in a grocery store, I was going to college, working in a grocery store. And I would, uh, if I had, I know you had a lot of idle mental time in a grocery store. And you know what? I, I would take that card out and read. I would read. Read the scripture and the, until I memorized the scripture. Once I memorized the scripture, then I'm working. If I'm not working with my mind, that's idle time. I'm thinking on that scripture. And you know what you're going to find out? If you'll do that, the Lord will speak to you. How many hear what I just said? The more time you spend in the word, the more frequently God will speak to you. The less time you spend in the word. And I'm not talking about just reading your Bible a little bit in the morning. I'm talking about throughout the day, letting the word revolve around and around in your thinking. If you do that, it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. Yes or no? I found when I did that, he began to speak to me. 1977. I met Susan at this Bible school. I actually met Susan in 1976. And then February, you remember this? February 1977, we had a class together. You remember that? Of course you do. Because you met me. <laughs> anyway. We, uh, and we were talking such after class and all. But uh, anyway, that Bible school, when I went full time and I quit college, I was going to be an electronics engineer, quit college and said, well, I'm going to enroll for Bible school. You know, change the whole direction of my life. God called me to preach. February 1977. In fact, it was the second Tuesday of February 1977, two o'clock in the afternoon. So I made plans to go to Bible school the next fall, and we had one in our church. And uh, so bottom line was, uh, one of our first classes was on faith. The teacher's name was Scott Veach. I said this first service. And uh, you started set in 1978. Is that right? School? Yeah. Uh, full-time. 
But nonetheless, I did 70. So anyway, Scott Veach, and so this is class on faith. And so first thing he said was, I want you to pull out a piece of paper. We didn't have the internet and all that. Pull out a piece of paper and get a pen. And he had three scriptures written out on the board up front. And he said, I want you to write these three scriptures down. So uh, I want you to write them with, with, um, with correct punctuation. Write it just like you see it. And so we wrote it down and it, you know, just took a few minutes. And he said, now, I want you to take that piece of paper. I want you to memorize those three scriptures this week. I said, oh, well, hey, 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 I started that last year. He said, memorize these three scriptures. When you come back to class, I'll tell you what to do. He said, memorize those scriptures with quotation. He said, next, next time when you come to class, you're going to have to write them out. So when we come back to class the next time, they were not on the board. He said, put out a piece of paper. He said, now from memory with correct, uh, correct um, uh, punctuation. I'm okay. He said, I want you to write their scriptures out. So we wrote them out, you know. Gave everybody, took time to do it. And then he taught the class. And then at the end of class, they said, well, well, before you go, I got three more scriptures for you. And, and he just gave us the, he said, go to King James Version. And he said, I want you to write these out on your piece of paper. And he said, when you come back next time, I'll have you do something with it. I said, okay, well, we'll memorize three more and then have three. No, when we got back next time, we had six scriptures to write out with correct punctuation. And he'd take off for incorrect punctuation, minus two points, minus three points, whatever. But, uh, but so, so, so every week when we had that class, three, six, nine, 12, 15, 18, 21, 24, 27, 30, and went on and on and on. And we just memorized dozens of scriptures. And we had that class in entire, the whole two semesters. And so by the end of the second semester, we had a whole bunch of scripture. And you know what? That man saved my life. Because not only had I learned to start memorizing scripture before then, he put so much of the word inside of me, it changed me. Oh, it changed me. I got scriptures I can pull up from that class today. I bet you've never memorized John 9, 31. Now we know that God heareth not sinners. This is King James Version. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. 1 Peter 3, 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man who asks you of the reason of the hope that is in you. I'm trying to remember the last part now. <laughs> With respect and fear. How many hear me? And so I just had all these scriptures and I just memorized them and, uh, and I didn't realize how much it saved my life. So anyway, that's how my life in God began. God reminded me this last Friday, make sure you keep doing that. And now's the, the most important time in your whole life to make sure you're full of the word. This is the most important. Let me tell you how important this is and what it does. How many know in the beginning was what? The word and the word was with God and the word was? Yeah. So God and his word, would you agree with this statement? God and his word are one. That what the word is, God is. Everything you know about God, you get from his word. Jesus is called the living. Huh? Yeah. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and full of truth. So the word in God, our attitude towards the word determines what kind of place God has in our life. So if I neglect the word, I neglect God. Yes or no? If I keep my mind on anything other than the word, I keep my mind off of spiritual things. Yes or no? And if I keep my mind off the word, there's very little the Holy Spirit can do to help me in my daily life. But here's what I found. If you'll just keep scripture in you all the time. Well, pastor, I got to work. I know. I said idle mental time. You know, I had a job at the time that I'm talking about when I was in Bible school. I mean, it didn't take a brain surgeon to put cans on a grocery store shelf. You open the box, find the label, and then you put those 24 cans on the shelf and you start right, and then you put the labels just right. Well, while you're doing that, you're thinking and you got opportunities to think about a, a plethora of things. Yes or no? So for me, when I was doing that, I learned that I could, I could utilize my time even though I had a mundane job. And you know what? It saved my life. So fast forward, you know, here's this 1983. I'd been to two Bible schools. Um, and, uh, and I got a job as a janitor in a church. You've heard me tell that story. It's a very large church in the 65,000 square foot building or so. And, uh, and I had to vacuum the carpet, straighten the chairs, clean the bath. There's a bunch of bathrooms. I mean, a bunch. Uh, 
A bunch of toilets. I mean, crazy. And so here I am. Listen, I, I still, this is, it's, I'll never forget this. So see, I had a, I had a habit. That was a, that was a mundane job. I took a pay cut from what, from my job to go work for this church because I knew God called me to do it. And, and you know, it doesn't take a lot of thinking to, you know, vacuum the floor. You can be thinking about all kinds of things while you vacuum. You clean in your house. You're thinking about things, right? So I'm vacuuming the floor, but guess what? My, my scripture for that day, listen to this, was Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, comma. And all the, these things will be added unto you, period. So I'm thinking. So all, seek, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, comma, and his righteousness, comma, and all these things. And I just kept, I'm vacuuming the carpet. I'm opening the door, vacuuming behind the door. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Will be, and I, I meditated on that all morning long. I got to work at 8 o'clock. I, I meditated on that until break time, break time. Uh, honestly, I'm not making this. A, I vacuumed a whole hallway, a big portion of the auditorium, cleaned a few bathrooms. Here I am. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. So I get in my car. Susan and I live just a couple of miles from, two and a half miles from the church. And, and I'm turning into my housing addition. And, 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 you know, I've got to go down one road, turn left. And then take another left, and I lived in a cul-de-sac. And when I turned into the housing addition, off of the main road, there's a swimming pool in front of me. And I was about halfway down the road, halfway to the swimming pool. There I had to turn. And the moment I saw the swimming pool, I was halfway to the stop sign where I had to turn left. I heard, and I was thinking, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I heard something. And y'all ain't shocked me. You know what I heard? And you've, some of you have heard me say this before. I'm giving you more detail. I heard, what's first in your, what's first in your life? And see, the thought didn't come from out here. It, it, it's like it came from down here somewhere. That's where the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in your spirit. And when you love the Word, He will love you. And when you pay attention to the Word, He'll pay attention to you. I heard it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What's first in your life? I said, what? I heard it again. What's first in your life? Well, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I said, uh, well, 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 you are. And, and, and then I turned left and I heard, well, what's first in your life? Make first in your day. I said, whoa, whoa really? Wait. Now, some of you have heard me say this, but I'm telling you, I said, God, I don't know if I can do that. Because at the time, I'd been to two Bible schools. I'd been in the Lord for a number of years. I'd been in the Lord about six years, seven years at the time. And, uh, and I read my Bible, you know, every day I took some time. To, but I didn't read my Bible in the morning like I should. Because I just got up in time to take a shower, eat some breakfast, drink a cup of coffee, get to work, you know, punch in on time. And that was just the way I lived my life. And, and, then, and then when Susan and I, you know, all my whole life, I've never been a morning person. So when God said, what's first in your life, make first in your day. You don't know what a big deal. And I'll tell you what a big deal it was in a minute. But I got this just from meditating on the word. So when he said, what's first in your life, make first in your day, I say, God, you know me. Now, me is, even as a first grader all the way through school, my mother every morning, she cooked our whole family breakfast we're a southern family we got grits we got either bacon or sausage and we've got either scrambled eggs or fried eggs we've got toast you get what i'm saying we got milk and or orange juice and then i got me a cup of coffee and i sit down so when i get up in fact when i get up my mom, mom comes to my room mitch time to get up i said okay i'll be there in a minute i didn't say anything i said i woke up i went to the bathroom you know washed my face and then in my pajamas, went to the, went to the um, uh, breakfast table, ate my breakfast, said not one word, left the breakfast table, went got put my clothes on, brushed my teeth, got my hair, I had hair, got my hair ready, fixed up. And then the only first thing I said to my mother every morning, opening the door at 7 o'clock, bye, Mom. That's all I said. Go to, the, go to the stop, bus stop where the kids are, two-tenths of a mile down the road. Kids are there, and they're jabbering and talking, and they're loud, and they're fussing and running and jumping. And I'm just sitting there like, because I don't want to talk. On the bus, you can't even hear your own thoughts. It's so loud. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I had to go all the way to school on the bus, and it took about 30 minutes or so to get there. And it's just mass mayhem. And I'm just sitting there, you know, quiet. 
And the first thing I say in the morning is just before, just before class starts, she takes the roll. Mitch Horton, here. That's the first thing I said, here. I said, bye, Mom, and then here, that's it. So when I married Susan, I told Susan, I said, uh, now I love you, just know in the morning I don't talk. Now I love you, but in the morning you won't hear much from me because I don't talk. So when the Lord said to me, what's first in your life? Make first in your day. That was a big deal for me because I just don't do much in the morning. Just not a morning. It takes me a while. I'm in a fog then until about 9 o'clock. When he said that, I didn't even answer him. I said, well, God, I, I said, I, I don't know. I, that's a lot for me. I've never been that way. And you know what? Because I meditated on that one scripture, he persisted. It took me three weeks. He said, he would say every once in a while, what about it? And I'd remember, but seek first the kingdom of God. And I said, well, I know you asked me. I, I know you want me to change my lifestyle. He said, I want you to. I said, three weeks later, I finally, because he persisted. Mitch, I want you to do this. I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I started getting up early, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour. And it ended up two hours early. I'd get up every morning. Eventually, I started getting up in the mornings at 4.30. And I'd spend a little over two hours with the Lord, an hour in the Word and an hour praying. I started that, y'all, in 1983. Did you know, in my view, that saved my life? A lot of people my age don't last, particularly in ministry, because ministry is a lot of work behind the scenes and a lot of it ain't fun and you get hurt in all kinds of ways i mean to tell you a lot of people don't don't last but somehow by his grace and it's because i heard his voice what's first in your life make first in your day that is that has been the engine that has run my life all these years did you hear what i just said how did i get that meditation Keeping the word. I have stories that I don't have time to. I told two more stories first service. I don't have time to tell them this service. Go back and get the, go listen to first service because I told some other stories. Same thing, just meditating on scripture. And, and, and God spoke to me. And it changed my world. It changed my life and it saved me. And I'm telling you, I mean, Friday morning was a real wake up for me. And I knew, I knew the Lord was speaking to me. But I felt like he wanted me to speak to you. If you want to survive in the days to come, not just survive, but thrive. Be a person of the book. Make sure that you don't let your mind run idle. How many hear what I just said? You know, Colossians 3.1. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. One translation says, be constantly seeking those things which are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your affection. That word affection means your, the whole realm of the soul, the thoughts, the feelings, the desires, the ambitions, the will. Set your affection, set your mind. Some translations say mind, but it involves more than just your thoughts. Set your affections on things above, not on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, so ask, ask yourself this question. If you go throughout your day, and you've maybe heard some of this, something like this before, and somebody was to put the contents of your mind at any moment of the day up on a wall for everybody to see, would you want everybody to see it? Would you want God to see it? Okay. Then, then if the answer is no, change it. How do you change it? Do what I did. Y'all, this has saved my life. And then it's allow God to speak. I get my sermons this way. I'll just, I'll just, I, I'm riding my bike. Sometimes I ride my bike for two hours on that trail. You've heard me talk about that. And, uh, but you know what I'm doing? I'm either listening to the word or I'm meditating and, and, and letting scripture go over and over. And, and God speaks. I get my sermons that way. It's just amazing. Or I'm out cutting my grass or I'm out take, I take walks. If I'm not riding my bike, I'll take a, a two or three mile walk every day. And when I'm walking, I'll just let scripture go. Or throughout my day, I'm, I'm commuting between here and, and home. I'm letting the word go. If I'm not busy with my mind, my mind's on the word. One scripture. I double dog dare you to do it. Take one scripture a day. Put it in your mind. You cannot have a disciplined spiritual life without a disciplined mind. Finally, my brothers, Philippians 4, 8, whatever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, 
If there be any praise, think on these things. I took that one day and put it on a, a note card when I was young. And every once in a while I put it out of my I'd pull it out of my out of my pocket. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy. Think on these things. And I'd look, what have I been thinking the last hour? And you know what? I learned to change my mental habits. If you'll change your mental habits, here's the encouragement. You'll be able to you'll be able to ride the course. You'll be able to be steady. As, as things begin to, to uh, denigrate worldwide. And you know what? You'll find yourself with the peace of God. That you will keep him in perfect peace. Isaiah 26, 3. Whose mind is stayed fixed on thee. How many know it's true? You put your mind on the word. Then what are you doing? Well, it's a catalyst for the Holy Spirit to speak. You keep your mind on the word. It does several things. It, it'll keep your joy filled. It'll keep you peace filled. It'll keep you confidence filled. It'll keep you fear free. And we got big problems with fear today because people are listening to the wrong voices. Yes or no? It'll keep you fear free. And then it'll be a catalyst for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And if he wants to speak to you, if you got your mind on spiritual things, he'll say, there's a person I can talk to and he'll speak. Sometimes just one word. I've had God speak to me about, about exercise, diet, and just natural things. My money, relationships, all kinds of things. My children, sometimes just one word, but, but it's because my mind's on him. If you'll put your mind on spiritual things, God will speak. How many got something out of this? Today is a day speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. God gives me songs. Now, you'll never hear them. I sing into him. They're not for you. They're for him. But where's, where do you get the songs? You put your mind on him. He'll just give you things. And you know what? You'll find you'll be able to maintain your joy. You'll be able to maintain your relationship with God in very difficult situations.